Hello, I'm Gary, and this is episode 50 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we're looking at buying a second-hand EV. Before we start, I just wanted to see if you'd seen that Tesla have now produced a car that will do 402 miles on a single charge. That is the WLTP range, so the actual distance may differ, But this is still a milestone, as this now means that the Model S can travel further on a charge than my previous fossil fuel car, a Honda Civic 2 litre, could drive on a full tank of fossil fuel. Our feature topic today concerns second-hand EVs. Much as we'd like to think that everyone will be able to buy a brand new EV, and the benefit-in-kind change to the company car scheme will help this for employees who can choose their company cars, The reality is that the second-hand market is something that most people with an EV are going to have to look at. As with buying anything with this larger sticker price, there will always be issues around ensuring you can get the best deal and that the product you buy is going to be right for you and will work as advertised. In previous episodes, we've talked about the myths that surround EVs, see episode one for example, and these will always play into the minds of anyone who has concerns about buying an electric car. We all remember the episode of Top Gear where an old Nissan Leaf was shown that had a range of 30 miles before it died. It was implied that this was the rule, not an exception, and the result planted a seed of mistrust into the minds of many people. Nobody explained that it was an early model, had early battery technology, and had probably been rapid charged so much that it had degraded much quicker than was expected. So if you're looking for an EV, an excellent place to go would be to visit a mainstream dealer that sells EVs, right? Uh, Wrong. Your mainstream dealer will usually try to push a fossil fuel car. Why is that? I think they get more commission if they sell a fossil fuel vehicle. That's Jonathan Porterfield. I run a business called Eco Cars, uh, originally from Leicestershire, now based on Orkney. He understands the issues with going to mainstream dealers. Your traditional franchise dealer, they have sales targets to meet and they'll have so many units. And a manufacturer, just Nissan, for instance, just as an example, not picking on Nissan, you know, if they've got several diesel cash cars or big four-wheel drive Navaras or whatever they're called, that month Nissan have said, look, if you shift to 50 of these, we'll give you X amount to the dealership. And that filters down to the sales manager. And he says to his sales team, look, we've got to shift these because we're going to get a massive bonus. This is something that has been reflected anecdotally online with a number of tweets. EV and Retro Ross, who is at Gilder and Raal on Twitter, mentioned that he went to a Renault main dealer to buy a Zoe and was told point blank that the Zoe, a car that will do almost 200 miles on a charge, wouldn't manage a 60 mile commute in summer as the dealer tried to get him to buy a diesel instead. In fact, this was a prevalent attitude up until quite recently. So the market, uh, particularly in the trade, most dealers would uh, curl the lip up at anything with a plug on it other than plug-in hybrids like the Outlander, which they saw as uh, as popular for their customers. But anything that was a full EV, the trade, leasing companies, auction houses would undervalue them because they didn't think you know anybody would want something that could only do, say, 70 to 100 miles. So I'd say sort of four or five years ago, I was buying some ridiculously cheap Nissan Leaf, 24 kilowatt hour. Four years ago onwards, so from 2014, 15 onwards, I've seen a steady increase in popularity and that has been reflected in used EV prices, just strengthening 
And the last 18 months has just seen values increasing. I'll just give a brief illustration. So two years ago, I was buying 2012 uh, Persia Ion, which is the same as a Mitsubishi IMEF or Citroen C0, for a 12 plate with 25, 30,000 miles you know, in silver, in a boring colour. I was paying around about £4,000 for those. Two years later, for a 2012 plate, so it's a 2012 that's now two years older, the last one I bought direct from the leasing company, not via an auction, I had to pay £5,000. So it's just, I've never known it in the motor trade, that a bread and butter vehicle, if you like, the humble IMEF, actually increased in value. A lot of this is down to education, especially education of the mainstream dealers. I spoke to a very well-respected mainstream Jaguar dealer in the Leicestershire area by royal appointment. Everyone else can join up the dots. <laughs> he lent me an iPace over Christmas, and I sat with him several times when I was in Leicestershire visiting my parents. Very well-respected, massive dealership, franchise dealership. And he basically said, right, this whole EV thing, he said, you know, what's, what's the crack? So I just told him all the usual benefits. So he said, right, if you were in my shoes and were sat here as a you know, CEO of a massive dealership, what, what can I look to do with regard to servicing and aftercare, which is where dealers make their money? Um, I said, well, you can sell them some tyres, you can sell them some screen wash and wiper blades. I said, that's about it. And he went, well, I've got to sell an awful lot of screen wash, haven't I? And this was said from his beautifully glitzy showroom. So that transition, again, is just difficult for these big dealerships to get their head around because their income stream is going to be very quickly reduced. I asked Jonathan what sort of people actually buy EVs. He told me that it tends to be the older generation or retired people at the moment. So I asked, why not younger people? Young, I feel for younger people because they desperately want to get into EVs, but there's not really much in the way of cheaper newer electric cars very often the insurance on say a you know a 15000 pound decent modern ev the insurance for an 18 year old is astronomical depending on where they live so that often i often hear that that rules them out getting one because the insurance cost is just prohibitive for them to buy an ev so what is the demographic people that have sat down and done the maths or math if you're in the states they work out that even with a bank loan or repayments or a PCP, they're actually going to save money in the long term. They're the main type of people that that I have come into contact with. And then you'll get some that are totally into it, real EV nerds like myself, and just want one, whatever the cost. If you're buying an EV, especially if it's your first EV, you're going to have concerns. What are the main concerns potential purchasers have? It's still the old chestnut is range. You know, when the Leaf first came out, the 24 kilowatt hour, well, when, when it does a genuine 100 miles, I'll think about getting one. And then I heard when it does a genuine 200 miles, I'll think about getting one. I think Tesla just today have announced the new Model S has a WLTP of 402. There will be some people saying, well, when it does 500 miles, I'll think about getting one. So range is still the biggest thing that people get anxious about. And the only way I can get around that reasoning with them politely is I say, go and talk to somebody who you might know who's got an EV. That usually helps. 
or if they're local to me or if they're here on Orkney, I'll just chuck them a Nissan Leaf keys and say, look, just, just go and use it for a weekend. Incidentally, I asked Jonathan how many EVs there were on Orkney, a place with around 10,000 cars. He told me 350. How many had he sold? Uh, <laughs> about 300 of them. That's pretty impressive, right? The other thing that gives me great pleasure, particularly here on Orkney, because everyone, it's like a big community. There's 22,000 people on Orkney. And I can be walking down you know, the high street when you can walk down the high street. And a customer, a recent customer would come up and they would almost grab me by the shoulders and shake me and stare me in the face and say, Jonathan, it's absolutely brilliant. And I go, I know. And they shake me again. No, no, you don't understand. It is absolutely fantastic. I know. And they then become huge advocates. So that always makes me smile. Um, we do some local shows here in the summer. They've been cancelled this year, but I'll have me stand there with a variety of EVs just chatting with people. And previous customers will stand on the stand with me and engage people in conversation. And I just step back and just let them have a good matter. <laughs> but back to new purchases of second-hand cars. Followers of battery expert Ewan McTurk will have seen in his latest Plug Life television episode that he's proved that a second-hand EV at £6,000 is actually cheaper to run than a Ford Focus that was free. What's Jonathan's take on this? It is, but people, they're very much living the moment and they don't, they don't look at the long-term cost and that is just a constant conversation with people. As humans, we live for now. So, you know, people I speak to, they, they put £60 worth of fossil fuel into a car, uh, particularly up here in Orkney, and a week later, they put another £60 worth in. And that's, they live from week to week like that, and they don't realise they're spending £240 a month on fuel. And when you sit down with them, so you're spending that a month, which is that a year, and then you throw in tax and service and and they suddenly frown and stare at each other and go, are we really spending that amount? So that is part of the battle is, is getting people sat down and with a pen and paper and, and work it out because most people just don't. They just live in the moment for that week. I asked Jonathan to tell me what his business model was with EcoCars. Cut through all the smoke and mirrors that everybody perceives the traditional car dealer to be. Someone says to me, look, Jonathan, I've got, £11,000, will that get me a 30 kilowatt hour centre leaf? And I say yes. I then copy paste all the 30 kilowatt centre leaf that I believe will be in their price range at future trade auctions. Email them a condition report, where the car is, transport costs, the cost for the indemnity fee from the auction house to me. And I just put £300 on top of a whole deal as that's my profit margin, whether it's a £5,000 Twizy or an £80,000 Tesla, I charge £300. Just no smoke and mirrors. And the customer gets to see my invoices. I've said I'll buy them an £11,000 car and it comes in at eight and I've pocketed the rest. No, because you get to see the invoice. This is important that we get people driving EVs and out of fossil fuel cars. Me making a nice, you know, £1,000, £1,500 margin that most dealers would want to make to cover their costs. To me, it's more important to get bums on seats as cheaply as possible, and that's what people like. Obviously, this isn't the same model that mainstream dealers use to sell cars. They rely on after-sales servicing as a source of income, alongside incentives from the manufacturer. Things are changing and will continue to change, and one of the things that will probably need to change is the massive overhead that mainstream dealers tend to keep in their showrooms. 
people like Jonathan just don't have that problem. Dealerships certainly have. And that just leads me on to the whole buying, car buying experience. I think it's shifting so quickly because of the likes of Tesla, of course. You know, they haven't got any traditional car showroom. So I think more and more uh, dealers will move to the online, you know, do a video. In fact, there's a really well-respected dealer I know in Stoke, Umesh, of specialist car Stoke. He started doing videos for his petrol and diesel stock. So that is the way I think the industry is going. I'll let Jonathan have the last word in this section. But I think as we go through time, I think the population, the way we buy anything, be it groceries or washing machines, you know, the Amazons of this world are, are making people realise you can just click a button and have it delivered. It's time to share a cool renewable or EV thing with you listeners. We're all fans of Formula E on the podcast and we watch the races whenever we can. So we were delighted to see that someone has put together a documentary about the inside story of Formula E. The documentary is directed by Academy Award winner Fisher Stevens, who you may remember from movies such as Short Circuit and uh, Malcolm Venville, and it's produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. It's well worth a look. It's called And We Go Green, and you can watch it for free on YouTube. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited, or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library. Check it out. Links for everything I've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise our visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's been doing the Sunday car boot sale thing recently, focusing on people who own an EV. I asked him if it's working out for him, and he said no. Why not? You can sell him some tyres. You can sell him some screen wash and wiper blades. I said, that's about it. Thanks for listening. Bye.